Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Man, who said you can't have fun in church? We had a good time this morning in the, in the presence of God. And uh, this morning, I want to share with you a word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to get right into it. We're going to be uh, speaking out of the the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. That's going to be our our main text this morning. If you have it, you can say amen. If you don't have it, I've got you up here on the screen. And it says this. It says, on the way to Jerusalem... He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks, and now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your, your way, your faith has made you well. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, Father God, that you've spoken over my life already, Father God, that you've preached to me. I pray that your Holy Spirit uh, just just, just be present this morning, uh, that you speak through your servant, Father God, uh, so that we may receive this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to talk about faith. I'm going to say faith. Now I've given a lot of messages on faith as as, as a pastor, as a preacher, I mean, faith, you, you can preach on faith all day. Faith is the basic component to the life of a believer, right? The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so it is a necessary aspect of your walk. You must have faith. But did you know that faith isn't exclusive to the Christian? Everyone can have faith. Faith is something that many people have, even if you don't think that you have it, you probably have it. We know that if you are religious in any way, faith is present. You can be a Jew, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Hindu, you could be a Buddhist. Every religious person has a level of faith. Even non-religious people have faith. You're saying, I don't know about that. Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning, you're not religious, and you, you're just here because someone offered to bring you, uh, take you out to lunch afterward, and you're like, I, I ain't got no faith. I ain't got no faith. There's, there's, this, uh, there's this apologist, his name is Frank Turek. He, he wrote a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Um, and, and he argues that if you adopt just a logical way of looking at the world, you're going to have a very difficult time not making leaps of faith to deny a creator. In other words, if you deny an existence of God, there's a lot of leaps of faith that you have to make to hold that position. So everyone has a degree of faith, whether that faith be in people, whether it be in systems, whether it be in in the medical community or the scientific community, whether it being other deities, whether it be uh, in your spouse and ourselves, 
we all have a level of faith. We all have faith. Now, in the times of Jesus, many people also had faith. Some people had faith in the power of Jesus. How many have faith in the power of Jesus? Amen. But that's all they had faith in. They had faith in the abilities of Jesus. They had faith that Jesus could heal them. They had faith that Jesus could feed them. They had faith that Jesus could cast out demons and do all of these miraculous signs and wonders. They had faith in his abilities, but many of them denied the faith that could save them spiritually. Many of them denied the faith that Jesus was more than just a miracle worker. He was more than just a healer. He was also God. They denied that faith. And so that is the type of faith that I want to kind of um, zoom into today. It's the faith that saves. That's the title of my message this morning. Faith that saves. See, Christians, we put our faith in, in God for a whole bunch of things, right? We have faith that, that he can deliver a healing. We have faith that he will provide. We have faith that, that he'll do uh, a miracle. Um, I love that testimony that, that uh, Karina gave. She, she, she said yes in faith that God would provide. And as Christians, we do that. We put our faith in God for a number of reasons. And at the end of the day, we know that if God doesn't do the miracle, we're still good. We're still going to have faith in him. But one thing that I can say with absolute certainty, and if you only had enough faith to put it in one thing, I would tell you to put that faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you with absolute certainty that God will do the healing that you're asking for. I can't, I, I, I'll believe it with you. I'll pray uh, with expectation, but unless I know the will of God, I will not speak for God. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if God will perform the specific thing that you've been asking for. But what I know for certain is that salvation can be yours as long as you accept the grace that's already been given to you. Some time ago, some time ago, I had a brother come into my office and he was going through some, he was going through some things in his life. And, and uh, so he just wanted to talk and he asked me, he asked me this question. He said, pastor, will God heal my mom from cancer? Will God heal my mom? Will, will God deliver the healing that I've been asking for? And, and that's one of those, you know, questions that's, it's difficult to answer truthfully without also maintaining a level of sensitivity, right? But I said, I said, I know that God can heal your mom from cancer. I know that he can. I know that he has all authority and the same voice that formed the universe can speak to that cancer and that, that cancer will surrender. I know that God can do it. But his question wasn't, can he do it? It was, will he do it? Will he? And so that was the question that I had to answer. And I said, brother, I, I, don't, I don't know the will of God to be able to answer that question for you. And I don't want to tell you something today that is different from what God is going to do and that affect your faith in God. So I said, I will pray with expectation. I will believe that he will do it because as children of God, we have the right to go to our father and ask him of anything. 
My dad, I w- man, I would go to him without shame. Dad, you got, you got 100 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks, I mean, $5, what you got for me, right? I would go to him because I'm, I am his son, and I, I know that I can go to, I have, there's no shame. I know that I can go to him. Will he do it? Will he give me $100? I don't know. Most of the times it was a no. <laughs> so I told this brother, look, I, I don't know what God has planned in this, in this event. If I knew the will of God, I would, I would say, if God told me that you're going to get that healing, I, I, I would speak that in faith because he said it. But I don't know what God will choose to do. So then the conversation continued a little bit, and then he asked me another question. And this one was different. He said, Pastor, I have an ugly past. I've done so many things. I don't know that, that all of my wrongs could be made right. And he said, can God save me? And to that I said, brother, not only can God save you, God has saved you. God God willed for you to be saved and thus salvation is available to you right now on this day. All you have to do is accept the grace, the gift that has been given to you of salvation. See, that's what makes saving faith unique. When we recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior and we believe in him and we're obedient to him and we follow him, salvation is 100% certain. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care how ugly your past is. Salvation is yours. Amen. There are several instances in the New Testament. Let's get biblical where Jesus utters those same words, your faith has made you well. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't super common of him to say it, but there's about four or five instances in the Gospels where Jesus says your faith has made you well. So in Matthew 9, we know the story of the woman who had been suffering with the condition of blood for 12 years, and she was an outcast to society because she was considered unclean. And she believed that if she could just get to Jesus, if she could just touch the fringe of his garment, she would be made well. And so she does that. She leaves her home. She goes outside in faith, in the crowds. She touches Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. There's another event in Luke 7 where Jesus, he's being criticized because there is this sinful, weeping woman who's probably got so many problems. We, we, we don't know the details of her story, but she is crying, she is broken, she is hurt, and she is washing the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus, saying if only he knew what kind of woman she was. And Jesus forgives this woman's sins and says, your faith has made you well. And then in Mark 10, we hear about this uh, man named uh, Bartimaeus. He was a blind man. And when he had heard that Jesus was near him, he cried out to him, son of David, have mercy on me. He too was an outcast. He, he was rebuked. He was told to be quiet, be silent. You don't know who you're talking to. You're just a blind man. St- shut up. And Jesus said to him, what is it that you want from me, brother? And the man said, I want to see again. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, in every one of these miracles, I want you to see something. In every one of these miracles, their physical healing is tied to them being made well spiritually. That phrase, made well, 
is actually one Greek word, uh, uh, sozo, which means to save or to deliver. It was used in the context of salvation. So to be made well meant to be forgiven of sins and adopted into the kingdom of God. And so many times Jesus would heal the physical ailment while at the same time restoring their, their spiritual condition. Now, the main text that we just read of this leper, it's interesting because the physical healing is, is a separate event from the spiritual healing. So in this story, we have 10 men with leprosy. If you know anything about leprosy, leprosy was this terrible skin disease. It was prevalent all over the ancient world before the advancement of medicine. Um, And it was also also somewhat contagious, which is why lepers were considered outsiders. They were outcasts. They were considered unclean. And because they were considered unclean, if you were healthy, you did not want to, uh, you you did not want to live with them. You didn't want them being in the same room as you or or around you. And so they they had these, these villages where lepers would live. Lepers only. They were outcast to society. And so Jesus, one day, he's passing by these, one of these villages, and, and there's 10 men there, and they beg him, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests, because in those days, you needed the priest's approval to, to be let back into society. Uh, and so Jesus was essentially declaring them healed by the time they presented themselves to the priests. Now, the climax of this story is not in the physical healing. It's in what happens next. You still following with me? All right. The Bible says that only one man returned to Jesus. There were 10 that were healed, but only one came back. Just 10%. One man. And what's also interesting, the Bible makes note of this. It's not just any man. He is a Samaritan man. He's a foreigner. So he has yet another level of disapproval in the eyes of society. Because the Jews hated Samaritans. They hated Samaritans. They wanted nothing to do. If you were a Samaritan and you were healthy, you were still an outcast. So he knows what it means to be an outcast to society. Not only was he a leper, he was a Samaritan leper. He was an expert at being an outcast. I don't know if you feel like an expert at, in your own insecurity sometimes. You feel like an expert. Some of us are expert at worrying about things. We're experts about worrying about what other people think about us. And so we're up at night wondering, does, does this person hate me? Why does she not text me back? Some of us are experts at being angry. You know how to be angry. You live your life angry. You're a bitter person. You're an expert at it. Some of us are experts at lacking confidence. We live uh, uh, unsure of ourselves. You can name the weakness, fill in the blank. Some of us are experts in some type of negative way that we are ashamed of. We don't want anybody to know about it. But we know it so well because we live in it. But see, Jesus likes to take the weaknesses that we know so well so that he can deliver us from those weaknesses. He likes it when you're weak. He likes it when you're broken. He likes it. He likes it when when you have something that you've been suffering with all your life because he knows that he, he can deliver you. And see, this is a trend that we see in the miracles of Jesus. 
Jesus does miracles. You know, Jesus doesn't discriminate, right? Jesus does miracles for everybody. He does it for the weak, for the poor, the sick, the rich, the outcast. He does them for everyone. But there is something special about those who bear a weakness. Because in our weaknesses, that's, that's how we are made strengthened by him. So we see this all over the scripture, man. J- Jesus doing miracles for, for the weak. He healed the man with the legion of demons. You remember that? This man was living in caves. He was an outcast to society. He healed the woman with the discharge of blood. She was an outcast. He offered living water to the Samaritan woman at the well. She was an outcast. He sat down with sinners, tax collectors, outcasts to society. The ministry of Jesus was directed to everyone, but it was most effective to those who knew they needed him. This is why Jesus says it is difficult for the rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven because in the eyes of the rich, they aren't in need of anything. In the eyes of the rich, they've got everything that they need, everything that they ever wanted. They are, they are members of society. Society loves them. It's the ones who need Jesus the most that are most thankful for what he's done. Can you say amen to that? I don't know if Jesus has done something for you in a moment of desperation, but this is why you're especially thankful when you think about what your marriage used to be and what it is today. You're especially thankful when you get to that anniversary and you said, man, I didn't even think we were going to make it this far, but my God delivered me and my marriage and my household, and now I am made strength by what was once weak. You're especially grateful when you remember how broken you were before Jesus saved you. It's those who experience the transformative grace and love of God that become especially grateful to him. Because even though we were undeserving of his grace, he gave it to us anyway. That's what I want you to understand this morning. Because we, 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 don't, know the, we don't know the story of the other nine men. Maybe their greatest need was their physical ailment. Maybe that was it. And so once Jesus healed them from their leprosy, they didn't need him anymore. They were good. Maybe some of them went back to their lives and they were welcomed back into society so easily. They had friends. They were able to go back to work. It was was easy. In their eyes, they had no other needs. But this Samaritan man, he comes back and he is grateful. And he's praising God. And he's giving thanks for his healing. But I think that there's another level of gratitude here because we are told very clearly and obviously he was a Samaritan. Now here's what's interesting. I want you to follow with me. Jesus says to the man, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. But wait a minute. Wasn't he already made well? Wasn't he already healed? What is Jesus making well that's based on the faith of this man if he already received his healing? He was already made well, was he not? Did, did, did he, the other nine lepers not receive the same healing? Jesus doesn't come bend their faith. I kid you not, man. When we read this passage of scripture, we assume that Jesus is talking about the same healing that he just did. But it's not the same healing. Jesus isn't talking about the physical healing. He already did that. That was done. Now he's talking about the spiritual healing that takes, but now he's going deeper. Now he's going to the root. Now he's going to the heart. Now he's talking about sin. Now he's talking about death. He's going deeper. 
And can I tell somebody today that that is what Jesus cares more than anything else is your spiritual condition. You can be, you can be in the worst physical shape of your life. You can be in the worst financial situation you've ever experienced. What Jesus cares about more than anything is the condition of your heart. If he can heal that, everything else is secondary. But this, this type of faith is different. It's different. It's a different type of faith because it's applied in a different way. It's not applied in the capabilities and the physical and the material. It's applied in the spiritual. This man had a faith that the other nine did not have. A saving faith. Now, there's no doubt that the other nine had some degree of faith. We just talked about that. Everybody's, everybody's got some faith. The other nine had some degree of faith. That's why they see Jesus walking. They know who he is. They know what his reputation is. They've heard about what he can do, and so they put their faith in his power. Jesus, have mercy. Heal me. But it wasn't their faith that led them to a healing. That was the compassion and the mercy that Jesus chose to have on them. But when the Samaritan man returns, after having been healed physically, he falls down at the feet of Jesus, praising God. I want you to think about that. I want you to picture that right now, the gratitude of this man coming back. He says, you know what? I've got to go back. I just received my healing. I just talked to the priest, and he says, you're good. I... I got to go back before I keep going forward. I got to go back and say thank you because I'm not just made well physically. Something affected my heart. Something affected my spirit. And so he goes back to Jesus and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. Now listen, falling down at the feet of anyone was a sign of humility. It was a sign of surrendering and it was a sign of a lordship. To this man, the Samaritan man, no longer was Jesus just his savior. No longer was Jesus just his healer. No longer was Jesus just his redeemer. Now this man had faith that Jesus is Lord of all creation. This is God himself who has remembered me when no one else did, when I was an out outcast, not just because of my disease, because of, but, but because of my pedigree. When I was the outcast, he remembered me. And so falling down at the feet of Jesus was a recognition of Jesus as Lord. I'm not thanking you anymore because of my physical healing. I'm thanking you because I recognize that you are God and you remembered me when you didn't need to. And this is what Jesus sees and says, your faith, not in my abilities, not in my reputation, not in my healing power, but your faith that acknowledges me as Lord has saved your soul. What good is our faith in a miraculous God when our heart isn't recognizing him as Lord? The apostle James says, even the demons believe. Even the demons have faith. But it's the saving faith that God is looking for to make you well. You know, some of us, if we're honest, some of us, we, we, put, our faith in, we put our faith in people. We put our faith in, we put our faith in, in, in prophets. We put our faith in, in healers. Back in the day, man, Benny Hinn, he would, he would draw tens of thousands of people 
you know, who believed that God could, could use him to deliver a physical healing, but more than what God can do for our moment, we need to be concerned with what God can do for our eternity. See, this man, he had already received his temporal healing. He had to go back to get his eternal healing. That, that is the faith that makes one well. When we put our faith in Jesus as Lord, Jesus as God, and we submit to him, we will be made whole. You know, when we think about faith at any level, we usually think about it as a thing, right? Faith is, it's a noun. We hardly ever think about it as something that you do. But faith, faith must be applied, meaning it requires action. Faith requires action. The 10 men that had faith that Jesus could heal them, they had faith, right? But Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priests. Go is an action word. It's something that you do. What if Jesus had healed these 10 men and none of them went? What if they just stayed there and that same village and their same situation? What if they just stayed there? It would mean that their initial faith in the healing power of Jesus went to waste because they would have gotten their healing but remained in the same place, wasting the gift that Jesus had given to them. Their faith required action. Go. When God told Abram to leave his father's house to a land, I will show you. Abraham had faith in God, but the application of the faith was in his going. The application of the woman with the discharge of blood was in her running to Jesus, no matter how she looked, no matter what the consequences were. Faith requires action. And so if faith requires action, that means saving faith requires action. Now, for all the theologians in the room who are thinking he's preaching a works-based salvation, no, I'm not. There is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. No amount of charity work that you can do, no amount of good things that you can do. I mean, no amount of money you can give to the, to, to the poor. I mean, there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It is a gift. But there is something that we must do to apply the gift or accept the gift. It's yours if you want it, but you have to accept it. And to accept it means to apply the faith that you profess in Christ to your life. How do we do that? Through obedience. You can't, you can't say a prayer of salvation saying, I'm going to repent of my sins and then go back to your sins. You can't say, I am going to leave this lifestyle behind to follow you and, and, and then leave church walking in the other direction from Jesus. Even if you have faith, it has to be applied through your obedience, through your repentance. And so Jesus would often tell people after declaring them saved, go and sin no more. No longer be content with the lifestyle of sin. To receive salvation means to follow Jesus. It means picking up your cross and walking, and that takes action. And perhaps that is the part that people don't want to commit to. That is the part. I mean, maybe all of this sounds good right now. Praise God for the free gift of, of grace. But it means accepting it. And accepting it means living now, not in yourself, 
but consumed by the Holy Spirit, following Jesus. It takes action. Can I get some keys? The Samaritan man who returned to Jesus, he wasn't made well because of anything that he earned, right? It wasn't because of what he contributed to society. It wasn't because of anything that he worked for. It was simply because he went back to accept the free gift of salvation. He got his healing. He said, I'm going back for my eternal healing. Can we do some real talk real quick? What time is it? We got Okay. Some people only want the miracle working Jesus. You know this is true because in times of despair, in times of tragedy, in times of struggle, that's when people go to Jesus the most. It's in your despair that you cry out like these lepers did for healing, for provision, for deliverance, for restoration, right? And so if you see Jesus as a bank, it's so easy to come to church so that Jesus can get you alone. If you, if you see Jesus just as your healer, it's real easy to come to church when you need a healing, when you need a savior from the hell that you're going through. The altars get full. I've seen it time and time again. But how many will return to just praise the Lord after the miracle has been done? Because that's when the true healing takes place. That's when the real resurrection happens. When we begin to see Jesus, not, not just with his powerful hands but we begin to seek his face we begin to seek his lordship and my god i commit myself to you because of everything that you've done because of the free gift of salvation that you've given me i give you everything else and there is a spiritual healing power in the room today there is a healing power a forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you've experienced in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done. Man, you know, my heart as a, as a pastor, it is always going to be, I, I love, I love having, I love having church. I love doing church. I love our members. I, I love you all, but my heart is for the person who does not know Jesus. That is, that is my heart. That is, if you want to know your pastor's heart, that is the, your pastor's heart. My commitment is to Jesus, and Jesus said, feed the least of these. Why did he say the least of these? Because it's the one that we think about last. And salvation is free, and it's here in the room. Pastor Danny preached something this morning, and I, I want to kind of just hijack his sermon real quick and, and apply it. He, he, t- today he talked about... Um, He talked about the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross who, if you think about it, lived a lifestyle of sin. I mean, I don't, we don't know his story at all, but I mean, this, this was, he was a criminal. He was, he was a thief. He, he lived a life of, of crime. He was probably not a very good person. And all he does is recognize the lordship of the man hanging next to him. All he does is recognize the king who is hanging next to him. 
And that's all that's required of him. That, that simple profession of faith for Jesus to say, today you're going you're gonna to be with me in paradise. That's it. That is the saving faith that when we profess Jesus as king and we make him Lord of our lives, salvation is yours. And so this morning, I always get nervous when, when I do this. This morning, I want to make a call to salvation. And I, the reason I get nervous is because what if nobody raised their hand? God says, that's not, that's not for you to worry about. We preach. We give the call. The Holy Spirit does everything else. But I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads close your eyes. And my God, I thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you, my God, because I know that there is healing power, not just to heal us from our physical infirmities, my God, but, but from death, from, from, from the bondage of sin, my God. I thank you because you make us well, Father God, that when we profess our faith in you as Lord Jesus, I thank you for the free gift of salvation, my God, that you made available to all people, Father God. I, I thank you, my God, because even though we were unworthy, my God, you looked at us and with love and compassion, you chose to die so that we may have resurrection. If you're in the room today, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is just between you and God. If, if you're here this morning, and you're not walking with Jesus. You have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You're not walking with him as your Lord. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you have faith in Jesus and, 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 and what he can do. But this morning, if you want to accept Jesus, not just as, as a miracle worker, but as your Savior, as your Lord, and you say, Lord, I am going to begin walking with you. I'm going to turn away from a life that does not include you in it. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. That's it. No one else is looking around. This is just between you and God. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If that, if that was you, can you just hold it up one more time for me? One more time. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask that we, as a church, we, uh, we pray this prayer. And for that person who raised their hand. My prayer for you is that you make Jesus Lord, that you begin to walk with him. And it's, not, it's not always easy, and it doesn't mean that we, we never stumble. It doesn't mean that we never, we never fall. But now we fall on grace. Now we get back up. Now we continue to work and, and follow Jesus. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say, even though I fall, I'm not turning around. Even though I fall, I might stay down for a minute, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep following you, Jesus. If that was you, I want you to pray this with me. I'm going to ask the whole church to repeat it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the free gift of salvation. Thank you for remembering me when I was an outcast. When I didn't believe in myself. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Today I repent of my sins. I pick up my cross and I follow after you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, enter my life. I now belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.